I feel like I want to share with you what goes along with understanding uh, Operation Christmas Child and understanding Buy a Tree Change a Life, affecting children globally and locally. That there is a war on children. There's a war on children. And, and I, I believe that God's calling us to war for our children. We just finished Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the armor of God, understanding the necessity of our warfare, understanding how to warfare in prayer. And so this morning, I want to just kind of go into that vein a little bit to share just a few moments. You know, I'm reminded of a lady in uh, Exodus chapter 2 that took a little baby that was born and she greatly cherished and loved her child. She nurtured that child. She had visions and plans for that child. But there was a decree that was made that she couldn't keep her child. And so as long as she could hide this little boy, she did so. Loving, nurturing, caring for him. At the time that it was impossible to continue to keep him hidden, she created, wove a basket. And as, after she wove that basket, she put tar, right? Am I telling the story correct? Yeah. And, and pitch. One version says asphalt. I'm thinking, they had asphalt back then? Oh, gone. <laughs> tar and pitch on this basket. And she laid her son into the basket and had to watch him drift down the river. Now, as equally as excited as her mother for this child, his sister followed that basket and watched as the prince, princes of Egypt pulled that basket out of the water and she called the baby's name. She was drawn to this baby and she called this baby's name Moses. Moses means to draw out. Because she drew him out, she called his name Moses. You know, the backstory of that is, is that Israel was growing so big. Israel was uh, growing and, and Joseph had, had a relationship with a previous Pharaoh and that relationship was good, but the new Pharaoh didn't know Joseph. And therefore, all he could rely on was history. And, and then there he listened to the voices of advisors who would declare, Hey, these, these Israelites, they're growing so rapidly. They're becoming stronger than we are. We need to do something about this. And so uh, he devised a plan. And he asked the midwives who were there to deliver the babies. And he, he said, uh, when a male child is born murder that child. And so these midwives, having a fear of the Lord, and I'm kind of going through Exodus chapter 1 at the moment, having a fear of the Lord, declared uh, as they would not murder the babies, uh, the Pharaoh called them back and said, what, why have you done this uh, thing? Why have you not done what I've asked you to do? They said, well, the, the Israel women are stronger. They're vibrant. 
And before we could ever get there, these babies are born. And so then he declared that every male child that's born to be thrown into the river. Children, this is not the first season that children have been under attack. This is not the first time that the enemy has looked at children as the threat of our society. Can you imagine these young babies being a threat to society? Can you imagine children, the ones that sometimes we dismiss, the ones that sometimes we get aggravated with, the ones that sometimes seem to be a bother to us, are the answer of God to our society? Are the ones who God chose and even said to us, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And yet society has abandoned all sense of reality and has tried to do horrific things to children in our lives today. How many of you guys have children? You know, I remember every single moment that one of our ch children were born. I remember when this little precious 24-year-old, uh, I know she looks 12. I remember when this little precious angel was born in Middlebrook Heights, Ohio. We were living in Parma. And, 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 and what came out first was her hand. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, she's already reaching for my wallet. I'll be broke for the rest of my life. And that little precious angel has had me wrapped around her finger all of her life. Love and cherish her. Wesley, on the other hand, was so eager to meet the world that we were rushing from Cleveland to Chattanooga for him to be born. And he didn't quite make it to the labor room. He became, we almost named him Otis because he almost came out in the elevator. Eager for life, and still is eager for life. Now, Eli, you know, third's a charm, right? Eli was born on uh, election day, and so I was caught up in the bush, you know, watching the debates and stuff like that, and Kim said, turn off the TV, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Lord, here we go. And that raring young man has been wide open ever since. We didn't think we would have a fourth child. We, we, well, we discussed always having a fourth child, but we looked at the option of adopting. We had uh, foster kids. We had three wonderful teenage boys. We said we would not have teenage boys. We said we'd have babies. But these three teenage boys uh, became a part of our family and we love them but unbeknownst to us in having those three boys God gave us this young man right here what's up dude <laughs> and, and I'm so thankful that the Lord allowed us to have 
Jaden. We remember every detail of that moment that child was born. We, we cherish those moments. We, we value every opportunity we have. I, I, I don't know how many baskets I would have weaved, <laughs> how much tar I would have put on a basket or pitch to make sure that my children were safe and saved. I don't know how much time I would have spent, but I do know this, that, that for 24 years, I have not stopped feverishly caring, praying for, wanting to do my best, my best to invest in their life to make sure that they accomplish the goals that God has set out for them. To put them in a position to receive the truth of God's word. To walk with them on that journey. As you heard me say on Father's Day, it hasn't been the easiest task. I haven't been perfect in every moment. I have made mistakes. I have caused turmoil at times. I've struggled. But the key words that I've always tried to remember in my process is I'm sorry. This is not how this is done. Forgive me for doing it this way. Forgive me for the way, the manner I have treated you and help me to be accountable as I love you and do better. It's a process. Probably Derek could do a better job of explaining the process of parenting as he's in his thesis uh, talking about helicopter parenting, right? So I'm sure you have studied every avenue of parenting and know what that looks like. But it's a challenge. But God has given us a challenge to war for our children. He's given us a challenge to stand in the gap for children around the world. I mean, when you think about children, the position of children in the heart of God, I think of, of Psalms 139. It says, for you formed me, for you formed my inner parts, you covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when when as yet there were none of them, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Wow. We live in a world that has tried to snuff out children even before they're born. And yet we see the word of God. This is not a political thing. This is a biblical thing. Yet we see where God himself knows our substance even before it was formed. Even before we were a twinkling in our mother's eyes, God knew every single one of you. He knew what you would be. He knew what you would do. He knew all about you. And he cared about you. Think about the creation of God. We are God's creation. Look to somebody and say, you were created by God. Every one of you are unique Thank God. <laughs> I mean, even the twins are different, right? 
we're all different. If you look at your hands and you see the fingerprints that are there, every one of our fingerprints are different from somebody else. Nobody can mimic who you are because your DNA is different. Your eyes are different. They can literally retina scan your eye because every person's eyes are different. You might have the same color eye. You might have uh, something similar, but every one of us are different. All of our DNA is different. Guess what? There's an X and a Y chromosome that God has created to identify male and female. It is a design that God created. And therefore, it can't be confused the way the world wants to confuse it. It is not only a design of God, it is a design that has been justified, it has been searched out, it has historically, biologically, it is the same. God created them male and female, he created them. Amen? But I want you to understand that from every prospect of the voice of God that has gone forth, the enemy has tried to bring delusion to, he's tried to dilute, or he's tried to take away that voice. You have to look even back to the very beginning of time, and when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, there the serpent spoke and said, did God really say that? And how many times have you been in doubt because that same Satanic voice has tried to speak into your life. Did God really say that? How many times do we find confusion because we have strayed from the truth of what God's word says when whole organizations are literally walking away from the truth of God because of the deception of the enemy that's tried to bring doubt about what God has really said. Is God real? Does God really care? Does God really know? Come on, somebody. That's all right. We need to understand that we have to be confident in who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to take a stand on the Word of God. Look, this is what will stand the test of times. The world will pass away, but my word, this is what God declares, my word will stand forever, forever and ever. I don't know how many of you had the privilege of watching the, the Wednesday night of camp meeting as we put it here on the screen, but to hear uh, the pastor, Brother Raymond Culpepper, preach about uh, will the church survive and how historically uh, the church has gone through different epochs of time and, and how that uh, over the history it has looked like the church has been counted out. But every single time the church arises up. Every single time the church survives. And let me tell you this, that those who stand on the truth of God's word, though this world pass away, we shall stand forever with him knowing that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that we are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that we shall be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Think about this. Children in the heart of God. This is what the Lord says to us. For I know the thoughts 
that I think towards you, says the Lord. Come on, somebody. Just think about that. Think about this one fact. God thinks about you. If ever there's a moment when you're depressed, if there's ever a moment when you're struggling with who you are, think about that one very powerful truth that God himself, who created you from nothing and made you into something, is thinking about you. And the Bible even says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father making intercession. When you are at your lowest point, if you'll just look up and, and let God speak into your spirit to know that he's right there with you, you are not alone, you're not by yourself, but he is with you all the way. I know the thoughts that I think towards you declares the Lord, come on, <laughs> thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, my Lord, if we would grab a hold of the hope that is in Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, grab a hold of that hope, the hope that changes the mentality of everything we go through, because if we have hope, we will overcome, right? You ever seen somebody without hope? They crash and burn. When people give up hope, when they've gotten to the last part of their life, when there's nothing else left and they have no hope, they fail. But if there's just a glimmer, if there's just a little bit of light that peeks in from the little pinhole in the midst of their darkness, that light that in that pinhole gives somebody a little hope that there's a way out of this place. There's a way that's, that God has for us. I will trust to the end of my life, to the end of my breath, that he is victorious and that I am walking in victory with him. Amen. To know that he thinks about us, to know that his plans are to prosper, his plans are to bless, his plans are to, to see us with a future and a hope. It goes on to verse 12, says, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. Think about that. God, the creator of the world, is listening to you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the, all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to a place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. I will bring you. The Lord wants to see your deliverance. The Lord wants to see you as overcomers. Children have a great place in the heart of God. Can somebody say Amen. Amen. This is the notes I wrote this morning, all right, at 6.45 this morning. The next point is, is that the power and the voice of children in the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. You have it up there. It says, then they brought little children to him. That he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Next verse. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Think about the voice, the power and the voice of children in the kingdom of God. That children are the voice of God in this world. Children, for such is the kingdom of God. 
I, I, I think of another scripture that says in Psalms 127, right? Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. When I, I, I like the, the idea, the imagery that is painted here, that children, in Spanish it calls them fletches, their arrows in the hands of their parents. And, and, and when you are raising up your children, you are preparing them to be pointed in the direction that they should go. You are discipling them to be the very weaponry in the hands of God. Think about that, guys. Your children are... God's precious gift to you to be a light in the world. We are to disciple our children. They're not an aggravation. They're not a frustrate. Can they be frustrating? Absolutely. But weren't you frustrating to your parents? Absolutely. So therefore, the same endurance that your parents had for you, have for your children. Love them. Invest in them. Direct them. Show them the way. Lead them to, to Christ Jesus. Lead them on the path. Think about Joel chapter 2. And it shall come to pass. This was also quoted in Acts by Peter. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Can you say that with me? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Children are voice of the Lord. In the last days... It'll be the voice of your children that will make a difference. That's why the enemy's shaking in his boots. That's why the enemy is so upset. That's why the enemy is so uh, uh, on an attack against children in this society today. It's not just this society. You can think of Boko Haram where they're literally going into off orphanages and, and stealing children, raping girls, and uh, trying to indoctrinate the boys to be warriors in their warfare. It's just one idea. You think of even in, even in China, for decades, they have literally aborted and killed millions of babies because of population control. Over and over, we see children, we, we, we went and saw The Sound of Freedom. How many have seen that movie already? Powerful. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go see it. But here's talking about how children are trafficked and to think that we, this country... This precious, God-fearing country is the landing place for the majority of children trafficked around the world. This country, because of the insatiable desire of the flesh that this country has. You go into Central America and we get frustrated because of the immigration that's come this way. But the statement that most people say down there, when the United States sneezes, Central America catches the cold. They wouldn't have a drug problem if the United States didn't have a drug problem. There wouldn't be a sex trafficking problem if the United States didn't have a sex problem. It is this country that billions of dollars are poured out annually because of the sex industry. And it's getting more and more disgusting because the ages of the people that are sought after are getting younger and younger. 
children are under attack. It's not just, you know, you think of this agenda that's rolling around with pedophilia and how that they're trying to mature children in young ages now, trying to teach them sexual education in second, third, sometimes even first grade. Not in my community. Well, guess what? Right here in this community. I went to the school board meeting uh, about three months ago, and they were talking about books that were, that were being put into the libraries of our children's schools. Our right here, Blunt County, Maryville, Alcoa, books that, that put in light these agendas that will distract and take our children down the wrong path. We're in a war, folks. And I recognize our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but made mighty through God. But are we praying for our leaders? Are we stepping into these meetings and giving a voice to say, not in my town? Are we willing to step into the gap and say, not in my school? Are we willing to, to be a voice, to, to, to talk, write a letter? Our hands still work, doesn't it? Our pens are still available, Right? That we write the letters, that we share our truth because it is not a political agenda. It is an all-out satanic attack against the people of God, against the children of God. And it's time for us to stand with the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit and say we will stand in the gap. We will pray. We will fight to the end because we know that these are God's creation, the handiwork of God. And God knew them before they were ever twinkling in the eye. God knew them. It's our children. When will we weep as Jesus did when he entered into Jerusalem and saw the brokenness of the people? When will we weep for the brokenness of our community? I'm not talking about San Francisco. I'm not talking about New York. But yet we should weep for them too. When will we weep for our community? When will we struggle because of the brokenness around us? Will it, will it be till we are standing at gunpoint because we have allowed the chaos to take place in our own community? Or will we get on our knees? Will the prayer meeting of our church become the greatest service that we have because we are so hungry to see God's man move in our community? God, help us to recognize that our sons and daughters are the prophetic voice for the future. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will see vision. Your young men will dream dreams. Lord God, give us visions and dreams today of how we shall be overcomers. I feel like, I feel like at times we have felt as if we've been in the dark ages the intertestamental period, that 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament, when we wondered, did God speak? But if we don't start seeking the face of God, we will put ourselves in the dark ages. You talk about persecution. You talk about the darkness taking place in our society. If we don't pray, if we don't seek the face of God, this is the word. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will heal their lands. Then I will cleanse them. It's time for us to refocus because our children today need a people who are willing to pray. Your sons and your daughters are needing people who are willing to stand in the gap. You wonder, are they going astray? Let me tell you, the, the word Paul tells us, 1 Timothy 4, I think it is, that there'd be a, a falling away, a rebellion in the last days. And I think that we, we look at the worldly people, oh, those worldly people, that's the falling away. But you had to be in to fall away. You had to be in the body of Christ to fall away. Look, I'm not talking about this organization or that organization. There's some who believe that once I get saved, I'm saved for the rest of my life no matter what I do. But the Bible tells us that there will be a great rebellion. And that rebellion is against the authority of God. They will turn away from God. What does that look like? Well, I'm about to get in trouble. What does that look like? It looks like baseball on Sundays. It, it looks like softball on Wednesday nights. It looks like soccer over the weekend. Sports have become a multi-billion dollar industry. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Needland Stadium. I'm talking about the little soccer field right down the street and the soccer field right here behind us. Multi-billion dollar industry pulling families away from God. i got to prepare my kid because these days it's competitive. What in the world? When less than, less than half a percent of people actually go to be NFL or major league stars, we try to prepare these kids as if they're major league stars at two and three and four and five years old. Boy, he's got an arm, don't he? What? I'm not trying to demean the talent of your children, but I'm trying to help you understand there's a priority that we have to place in our children's life. Because if you, if you permit them to be without God, then you are the one leading them in the wrong direction. It's not the coach. Well, that coach put the practice on. Did, did you let him go? Hmm? Well, that team, no, no. You are responsible. When, when, when you stand before the Lord, it won't be the coach that stands before the Lord for your children. It will be you. Will you stand in the gap for your children? Will you be obedient to God? Will you show your children the truth of God's ways? Will you be the example for your children? I know this is hard. I'm sorry. I love you. And that's why i got to tell you this. Because the enemy is distracting our children. The enemy is taking our children away in the groves from God. There's a push right now to get children 16 years old to start voting. Yeah. It just passed in Vermont in one, one community 
that 16-year-olds can vote for the municipality leaders. Look, young people, I love you a whole lot. But there's a reason that you got to be 21 before you can drink. There's a reason that you have to be a certain age before you can have a gun. They are so trying to indoctrinate children right now that if we don't become the voice and invest in our children, they will. They will. So, what do we do? I've got a whole lot more, but it's time. What do we do? What do we do? It's time for us to invest in children. It's time for us. Look, poor Pastor Candy, she's begging for workers in children's ministry. She's begging for, for, for help. Yeah, well, I done did my time. That's what some people, I mean, that's, isn't that right? And what we think sometimes, I did my time. I'm done with that. Just think if every one of us had an opportunity to, to touch a, and love and care and speak word into children. Our children need it. You're, you're the only voice that they're hearing from God. You're the only truth that they see. You're the only life that, that they're able to be a part of. They walk down the halls of their schools. I'm glad that's lower. <laughs> they walk down the halls of their schools, and it's cussing. I, I'm, I, I'm not talking about high school people. I'm talking about elementary school. Some of you guys were still thinking about your He-Mans and She-Ras back then, right? You don't even know what that is. Okay, the Smurfs. But today, there's children walking around as Furbies, right? They think they're cats and dogs walking around school. And the leaders of the schools letting this take place. I'm not talking about in San Francisco or New York nor Knoxville. Or Nashville, right in our town. These kids are talking sexually explicit words to your kids. These kids are, because it's the end thing to do, whether they think they are or not, it's cool to be gay. So now kids will... I'll be bi or I'll be non-binary. I don't know, whatever that means. It's there. That's what our kids in our communities, our community, I hope you get that. Our neighborhood, our tax dollars paying for. That's what that's going towards. If there's, not, if there's a time that we ever need to pray, it is now. When I read, our, I'm going to have our children come up and I want to pray for our children. Joel chapter 2. 
Verse 12 says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garment. In other words, let it be real. Don't let it be a show. Don't let it be a religious activity that you do. But literally let it rip your heart open to understand what is going on in our community, with our children, with our families. Some of you some of you've been affected by it. Some of you have family members that are now claiming to not know who they are. Some of you have family members who are lost and without God, struggling with what am I supposed to do in life, going from one place to the next. Rend your heart, not your garment. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, the sanctity of the congregation, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babies, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. I think it's time, folks, to come together. I'm thankful. I am, look, I'm super thankful for the ministries that we have of this church to impact children. I'm thankful for Manna Outreach Ministries who make sure there's food on the table of a family who needs a touch. I'm thankful for our Parents Day Out program where we can have children in here four days a week where not only do we teach reading, writing, and arithmetic, but we are able to share with them the love of Jesus Christ, share with them the Word of God. I'm thankful for the homeschool co-op that that we have had a vision for to be able to allow an alternative place for people to hear God's word, to find a community of people who care about their children, who want to guard their children from the things of this world. I'm thankful for Celebrate Recovery, where we can invest in men and women who are struggling so that in some way, somehow, we can pour into them to show them the truth of life, to be whole and healed, that they can be better parents. Matter of fact, the 10th, this coming Monday, we start a class for parents, for adult children, showing boundaries for adult children. Because you know what? Some of us have children that are adults that are struggling and we don't know how to handle them. So we'll have a class this coming Monday for eight weeks to be able to invest in parents how to handle their adult children who are struggling. We want to do what we can to equip our body to win the battle that's out in the world. It's time for us to come together. It's time for us to get on our knees and pray. It's time for us to seek the face of God for our families and our children. Look, we, we read the back of the book. We win. But that doesn't mean we sit around and do nothing. It means we have to be activated 
right? It's not just enough to say we care. We have to show them we care. We have to be a voice. I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to be a political activist. I'm asking you to be a faithful believer in Jesus Christ who cares enough about the truth of God's word to stand in the gap for children in our community and around the world. Amen? How many want to join me in that challenge? Amen. 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 Can we stand together? Can we have the children to come? Look at these amazing guys and gals. Thank you, Pastor Candy, for loving on our kids. This is, this is the challenge that Miss Candy has set before herself. She says, I'm not, about, I'm not the best entertainer. And I'm thankful for that, by the way. She said, but my desire is to disciple children. She has a plan of what what these children should know by the time they leave children's church to go into youth ministry. She invests. Some of y'all have seen her here many hours of the day. I mean, this, this woman works full time. I need to pay you full time. But I'm thankful for the investment that she makes in these children. I'm thankful for the passion she has. I'm thankful for the care that she gives. Come on. All right, children, I want you guys, I'm sorry, young men and women, I want you to take three steps forward. Good job. Young people, I want you to stand behind them. So good. And look. Yeah. This isn't the future. This is the now. Guys, I'm going to step down here in front of you. Joel chapter 2 says that you guys be prophets and prophetess. Isn't that amazing? That you, that you will carry the word of God in such a powerful way that you'll influence generations after you. Now that might sound like, oh Lord, that might sound overwhelming. But think about this, that the Lord himself will go with you. That the Lord himself will empower you, that you, young man, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that the Word of God shall come forth from you in a powerful way.
So this is my prayer as a church. I want to cover you with God's love, His protection. I want us to pray for you, for His anointing to be with you, to guard your heart. How many of you, uh, there's a whole lot of other voices that go against God's word. How many hear those things, right? You hear it? Yeah. It's hard because all that stuff bombards you. But you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You believe that? Come on, Michael. You believe that, buddy? This young man right here, he told his mom and dad, he said, call the pastor. I'm having these thoughts. Isn't that right? I'm having these thoughts, and I want, I want the pastor to pray for me. I said, let's pray. God bless you, buddy. That's right. As many of you as that can, would you come and lay your hands on these kids? Would you get up close to them? Would you pray? Would you join me in believing for them? I don't know which one of these will be the next Moses. This is the basket weaving. This is the, the tar and the pitch right here as we pray for these kids. And we're asking that God would be with them, that he would raise them up. These might be the Moses that leads Israel out of the darkness. These might be the ones that lead their friends out of bondage. Amen? Justin, come here, won't you pray? Justin is a, one of those warriors that's inside that war zone every day as a teacher, loving on kids, the challenge of being able to be righteous in a place that's sometimes very difficult. You yourself have seen your kids struggle through things. I want you as a father, as a teacher, as a man of God, I want you to lead us in this prayer. Father, we ask that your hand and your hedge of protection would go over these children as they grow. Father, I pray that only your words would penetrate their hearts. God, I pray that only truth would come in. God, we pray that any other words that would be in these children would be rejected and removed, Father. Only room for you and your spirit. We pray, God, that wherever they go to school, whoever their friends are, God, that the light would come out. God, that your praises would inhabit their home and in their room. God, that your spirit would go with them and guide them and protect them and lead them and their friends would know you through them. God, we pray for strength to get them to stand up, give them a voice, help these kids not to be silent.
fill them with your spirit, Father God, so that they can speak. So when they're around other kids that are doing things that are wrong and that they know that are wrong, that they have a voice, that they are willing and strong to speak and to stand. Help them to stand in the gap. Help them to be witnesses. Help them to be strong enough to invite their friends to church, into a relationship, to know you. That your kingdom can grow. Father, I pray for the parents and the adults that are standing here, and I pray for relationships to grow. And I pray, God, that some of these adults would lean into the kids. Help every one of these adults to know that they have a part in teaching and growing the kids. That is our role, is to grow kids and to show them the right way as an example in our relationships with each other and as our relationship with you as we follow you as our head. God, and above all, we give all these kids to you, Father. We surrender their lives to you, and we pray that we could be... Teach us, Father God, what we're supposed to do as adults and that we listen and that we surrender ourselves so that we can be the example we need to be for these kids. Moving forward, help us to be to, to repent in front of our children, to be able to apologize and say I'm sorry to the kids and to show them that we're not perfect and to point them to you daily. We thank you, Jesus, for all these opportunities. Help us not to waste one. We love you, Lord. Thank you for all you're doing in our kids' lives and how you're patient with us as we move forward closer to you. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I pray that you will dedicate yourself to praying for these children. Amen. That you'll dedicate yourself to being a disciple. This is what the Word of God says. Your old men, teach your young men. Your older women, teach your young women. Let's be disciples and disciple others. God bless you guys today. Thank you so much. If you haven't seen the movie Sound of Freedom, I encourage you to see that. Make sure that you prepare your heart for what you will experience. But I pray that it sets a fire in you to want to minister and care for children. God bless you guys. I love you. Lord willing, we'll see you. Remember, we have Bible study on Wednesday night. And Lord willing, we'll see you next Sunday.